Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we just tell you that we praise your name, God, that we lift high the name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we know that there is no one like you. There's none beside you. God, help us just to stand in awe wonder of who you are, of your great love for us, your compassion towards us, of your awesomeness, God, that our minds cannot fathom truly how great you are. So Lord Jesus, help us to understand that that you are God in heaven, that we are here on earth. God, that our words should be few. God, help us to be slow to speak and, 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 and quick to listen, slow to get angry. God, help us to understand that we need you every single day. So Lord Jesus, we praise you now. I pray now for Pastor Lee as he comes and he speaks your message. Lord, I pray you give him great boldness and wisdom as we hear your word. Lord, I pray it would not lay on deaf ears this morning, God. Our hearts would be changed as your word is presented, God. It would go forth and it would accomplish its task. And Lord, help us just to have the boldness as we leave here this morning just to go and tell this world about Jesus Christ. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for leaving heaven to come into this earth to save a lost and dying world. God, help us to always remember that so we may share it. Give us a sense of urgency to do so. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Before Brother Lee comes up here, we want to take just a moment for another special prayer time. Uh, on Saturday night, next this coming Saturday, a group of seven will be uh, boarding a plane to fly to Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, to conduct uh, in a little town not too far away from Sao Paulo, uh, the first Camp Gridiron Brazil. Now, you're probably well aware, most of us are, about Camp Gridiron Portugal that we've been engaged in for about 10 years now. And it's a wonderful ministry way for Christian men to teach the expertise of American football uh, but to work it in a Christian environment. And so God has laid this opportunity on us to uh, expand this, at least for this year, into uh, Brazil. And so I would like for us just to pray for these seven individuals. There are several here today. Some are from out of town and not here. But uh, Pastor Lee will be going. Uh, Marconi, he's back by the exit door. Wave at us, Marconi. Uh, Curtis Hissom, I saw over here somewhere. Yeah, Curtis is over here. Uh, Billy Mathis uh, will be uh, the head of the group. Uh, one of Billy's coaches out of uh, Weatherford, Mark Zimmer, is on the team, and then Austin Stocken and uh, Jordan Smith. And so uh, we're really looking forward to this. If you are curious to learn a little bit more uh, about the place they're going, um, it was a website called American Football International, and it will take you to uh, the t this particular team. Uh, Evidently, football, American football, is quite large in Brazil. Uh, they have uh, national championships, and this particular team won, uh, I call it, the Super Bowl of Brazil. It's the unified championship between two of the main champions. And so these are good folks, and so we're going to work into it, teaching them uh, some more skills and techniques from some of our experts and doing it in a Christian atmosphere. So let's pray for just a minute for this group of seven, three of whom are here as they go out to share Christ through football. Father, we're so grateful that you've given us so many different ways as a church body here to express our witness and to express the love of Christ and the knowledge of Christ in ways around the world that we maybe never have thought about. So grateful for this opportunity to take Camp Gridiron into Brazil, and we look forward to these, this group of men going down into uh, sharing their expertise, but to 
also bring a word of Christ as the opportunities present. We want to pray for their traveling safeties as they make the different airline connections. We always pray with this football ministry for physical safety as we know football is a sport that has possibilities for injuries. But most of all, Father, we pray that as they are there talking with these Brazilian young men, the coaches, other people that they run into, that you will lay several opportunities for them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we look forward to celebrating uh, what we hear when they come back. Uh, it's a great pleasure to do that. So thank you, Father, for this opportunity, and we look forward to seeing you lifted up in Christ's name. Amen. First lesson, as always, in those soccer countries is no flopping. Don't lay around crying like you're hurt when you're not hurt. Get up. That's the first lesson. We don't do that. By George, we play hurt. Get up. A lot of fun. Second Samuel chapter 14. Today's lesson is about reconciliation. Reconciliation is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Reconciliation is a creation of God. Reconciliation has everything to do with the gospel. Reconciliation means that we come to the place in our lives where every conflict that we have with another person, every problem that we might have with another, with another person, we come to the determination that the person means more to us than the conflict, the problem, or the issue. Now, if the conflict, problem, or issue means more to us, then we will remain at odds with people. But if we come to the place and say, the person means more to us than the conflict, then we can move along. Reconciliation and resolution are two different things. In resolution, People have come to the place and one of the parties has got to admit that they are wrong and, and they, they, can, they make a concession to the issue. Reconciliation, you can have two people who are not wrong. You can have two people who are not right. You can have two people that have such a unique issue problem that it's almost like with Solomon in cutting the baby in half, right? That it's not clear who is at fault and who is at wrong, and, but with reconciliation, they can come together and say, you just mean more to me than whatever it is we're dealing with, so let's just lay it aside and let's just build our relationship. We all need to learn this, this wonderful practice of reconciliation. You can't have long-term friends without reconciling. You can't have marriages that last 50, 60 years without learning to reconcile. You've got to come to the place where you go, we have an issue, we have come to a pass, we have come to a decision that we have different views about, but you mean more to me than the problem. You mean more to me than the decision that we're going to make. So we're just going to let this go. Sometimes the husband's got to let it go. Sometimes the wife has got to let it go. But in either case, you've got to let it go so that you can be reconciled to each other. Poor David. 
One of the problems of David is David did not understand, nor did he practice well, reconciliation. So chapter 14, Joab is his military leader. Joab, of course, has spent a lot of time with King David. And it says in verse 1, Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom. Now, let's go back and remember what had happened. Amnon, Absalom's brother, lusted after Absalom's sister, Tamar, and it got out of control. And that scheme came up, and, and, and Jonadab came up with that, that scheme to have her come in and bake his favorite dinner. And uh, uh, Amnon acted like he was sick, and he raped her. He raped Absalom's sister, Amnon did. And it was obviously a terrible thing to have take place. Tamar is just shut away. She's now an outcast. And she is forced to go live a desolate life in Absalom's house. David was angry about it, but didn't do anything about it. And Absalom never went to Amnon and talked about it. They, it was never dealt with. It was just ignored. And, and, and Absalom hated Amnon. And it just worked at him and worked at him and built up. And then, of course, those three years later, he has a big barbecue out in the country and invites all his family, all his people. And Amnon shows up. And Absalom orders his murder. And so Absalom kills Amnon for raping his sister. Now, after that happens, Absalom is forced to go live with his grandpa in exile. And this family business that David had was good sometimes, bad sometimes, but here... Clearly, sometimes absolutely ugly. You know, the Bible has stories that you go, man, that's a good story. The Bible has stories, you go, that is a horrible story. And God gives us both the good and the bad so that we can learn, so that we can understand how people lived, faults people uh, uh, had, decisions they made in the wrong way to help us learn from their mistakes so we can hopefully not repeat those mistakes and learn those skills and values that, that God wants to show us so that we can have that right relationship with God and that right relationship with other people. And if we're going to have a right relationship with other people, we must learn reconciliation. So verse 1. Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom. He knew, he knew David's heart. I mean, Joab spent time with him. I'm sure he had meetings with him. He probably had lunch with him sometimes and dinner with him. Spent lots of time with him. And he heard his heart. He knew that David was broken because of what had happened with Absalom and what had happened with Amnon. And, and, and he just probably found himself thinking about his family and seeing his family just falling apart. And, and he was broken about it and obviously didn't know what to do about it. 
didn't know the first step, didn't know where to move, what to say, how to bridge this gap in the brokenness. So Joab comes up with a plan. He sent for a woman from Tekoa who had a reputation for great wisdom, and he said to her, now here's what I want you to do. He says to this woman of Tekoa, pretend you're in mourning, and you're in mourning, and tell David this story, that your two sons were out in the field and they were working. And there was no one around to referee or to break them apart. And, and for some unknown reason, her two sons out there in this field get into a fight. And one kills the other. And then go on and tell David that you are broken. You are just hurt over the fact that people out there in your village, in your family... They want to bring in the son that murdered the other son and bring it in and, and execute him. And she says, please, and it's a very interesting scripture that she says, don't extinguish my one coal. Now, that's, that's right there, I believe, in verse uh, 7. It's the only coal I have left. Now, she's not condoning the murder She's not saying that, that my son is innocent, that my son doesn't need to be dealt with. She's saying, please, will you just understand that I can't have my only son executed? David hears her story. He understands her story. He responds to her story, and he says, listen to me, I promise you, I won't let anything happen to you. I'll take care of this. And after David says that, this wise woman of Tekoa says, Now, David, may I say something else to you? You have indicted yourself by making that, that uh, decision because you're doing just exactly what they're wanting to do. What about your son, Absalom? What about him? And, and, and uh, David looks at her and says, you've been talking to Joab, hadn't you? And she said, you're right. You catch all things. You're wise, King David. You're smart. You figure things out, which I think is a very interesting thing because it's obvious that David is smart. It's obvious that David has some good abilities to reason some things out, but not when it comes to his own family. He had a blind spot to his family. We've already seen that he has a hard time connecting the dots. And here this lady comes and tells him a story that should just open up David's eyes to his own family situation, but he doesn't see it. He sees her story. He feels her pain. He wants to help her, but, but he's just oblivious to his own situation. And then in verse 14, listen to what the lady of Tekoa says to David. And, and this is the first of three wonderful lessons that we're going to look at here in 2 Samuel 14. She says, All of us must die eventually. 
we're all going to die. What she's saying here is, in relationships, in all relationships, there's a deadline. We have to understand that. Eventually, all of us must die. And then she says, our lives are like water spilled out on the ground. Now, th now think about that for just a moment. Now, it's been raining a lot, and the, water, and the, and the ground's pretty saturated, but think about the way it's going to be in August. Now, go find yourself a bare spot and, and pour a bucket of water on that ground and, and watch what happens to the water. What happens to it? It disappears. It's gone, right? Immediately that water's gone. And so she says, that's the way life is. Eventually, all must die. Matter of fact, David, our lives are like water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. That might be a good game to have. No cup, no shovel, no nothing. Just out there in that hot, dry, de dusty desert, which David would have lived in. Let's pour a gallon of water on the ground and let's see how much we can grab with our hands. Let's see how much we can keep. Let's see how much we can save. Well, you can't. That's the way life is. That's the way opportunities are. That's the way relationships are. That's the way it is in life. We have to be careful with life. You can't be careless with life. You can't be haphazard with people. You just can't have a flippant attitude about relationships. Eventually, we all must die. Matter of fact, we're just like spilling water on the ground. It, it's just immediately gone. That's how quick life disappears from us. Instead, she says here, there's a something else that you got to understand, David. But God does not just sweep life away. So she, she's saying here, this is the way life is, but God has intervened. This is the way life is. Eventually, all will die. Life is short. Life evaporates. We don't have all the time in the world. There is a time limit in these broken relationships. And you've got to take care of things immediately when things are broken. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, He devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. She says, David, you're not being like God is. You're not operating the way God operates. You're not going after Absalom the way God would go after Absalom. You're not rescuing others the way God rescues others. Now it says in Romans 5.8, that God shows us how much He loves us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? He devised a way. She says here, God is 
always devising ways to bring us back to him when we've been separated. Now, if reconciliation is as simple as this, that the person means more than the issue, the person means more than the conflict, the person means more than the problem, the person means more than the sin that was committed against you. That's true of God. That's true of God. And so God is always devising a plan for reconciliation. And there we now I know we say this all the time. I know we being the world people always say this. God will not receive me because my sin has been too bad. I'm too evil. I've done too many wrong things. God will not accept me. God clearly says through his word, the gospel clearly says to us that that can never, ever be true. It can never, ever be true that God would see the problem, that he would see the evil, that he would see the wrong done, that he would see the sin committed, and that that evil, that wrong, that sin would mean more to him than the person. And so he will not give reconciliation. And so to, to erase every possible thing that might come to terms with that, what did he do? He sent his one and only son. He gave us Jesus. He did what no one else is capable of doing. He demonstrated how much he loves us. There's no question that he values us more than he is displeased with our sin. And so he always reconciles. Murder, he'll reconcile. Rape, he'll reconcile. Jealousy, he'll reconcile. Envy, he'll reconcile. You can list all the sins that man commits. Every single one of them. You can list genocide. You can list betrayal. You can, you can list adultery. You can, you can li list them all. And when it comes to being reconciled, he says to us, he says to every single person that is separated from God, I have devised a plan. I have given you a way that you can be right with me. There's no question, I care more about you than what you've done. I have given Jesus. And so you can be reconciled with me. And what this wise woman of Tekoa is saying, if God always devises a way for people to be made right with him, then that's our responsibility as well. We do not have the right to be unreconciled with other people if we have the ability as far as it depends on us, to be reconciled. You can't have any excuses. You can't have any reasons. 
You can't sit back and say, they hurt me so bad. They inflicted, they were, there was so much injustice that was hurled my way. There's no way I can be right with them. There's no way I can be reconciled with them. Wait a minute. What has God done for you? What has God done for me? He has given us Jesus. That's the light that we look at all relationships through. If we have been reconciled with God through Christ, we have no excuses not to be reconciled with other people regardless of what they've done. But you see, the thing is, is that what they have done, what they have said, what, what, what the issue is, the problem is, means more to us than the person. And so we're not going to be reconciled. I don't know what happened, but years ago, the Brewer family used to have a reunion when I was a kid. Every single summer, the Brewer clan would show up in South Alabama and they would have a reunion. I remember one. I know there were others that I was at, but I remember one because I was old enough to remember it. And for some reason that no one has ever said, my dad doesn't know, we just have no clue, they just stopped. No more reunions. You know why? Somebody got mad at somebody about something. And they wouldn't going to reconcile over it. And so no more family reunions. I bet you that the Brewer family is not alone. I bet there are people in your family that won't speak to each other. And I bet that you don't even know why. I bet they don't even know why they won't speak to each other. I bet they don't even know why they won't see, they won't even talk to each other when they walk past each other at the feed store or Walmart or the grocery store. Well, the reason is the problem meant more to them than the person. And so they're not going to reconcile. The wonderful plan of God is to reconcile. He has given us Jesus so that He can reconcile, so that we will not stay separated from God. In verse 15, she says, I have come to plead with my Lord, the King, because people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the King will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance. God has given us. Yes, my Lord, the King will give us peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God in discerning good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. She's smart. She knows how to deal with a man that's full of pride. Now, Joab gives this story to her, and he says in here, so that we've got to come at David in a different way. It says in verse 20, He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. Maybe you'll see it. Maybe you'll wake up to it. Maybe you'll understand. And so today, maybe this story about the separation between David and Absalom 
the separation between people that have an issue, a problem, a conflict, and it's causing them not to be friends any longer. They're not truly family any longer. It's because of this matter. Maybe you, if we came at your story from someone else's story, maybe the light would go on and you would go, aha, I see it. I understand. It may be a real complex issue. It may be a real painful matter. It may be something that has been ripping your life apart for a long time. Maybe if you just hear again, maybe if you hear clearly that the reason why you have been unwilling to reconcile with them is because the issue meant, means more to you than the person. And if you would just switch those gears and with the power of the Lord and the Lord's help and the work of the Holy Spirit, if you would just let His love flow through you and you would begin to love them more than whatever happened, you can be reconciled. And you may be in a situation that whoever you have a problem with Man, they would love for you to initiate a reconciliation conversation. It can go something like this. You know, we've had problems. We've had differences. We've had issues. You know, you borrowed my tiller and you never bought it back. And I've stewed over it. You know, you borrowed my truck. And you broke it and didn't pay for it. You remember back in high school, Billy Ray? Billy Ray said, yeah, I love Cindy Lou, and you got to go out with her, and I didn't, and I've hated your gut since. I've been mad at you. We were best of friends, and I wanted to go out with Cindy Lou so bad, and I couldn't believe that you got to go out with her, and I have, I've, I've hated your guts ever since then. Oh, Billy Ray didn't marry Cindy Lou. Right? And old Billy Ray has been wondering all these years why they've had this conflict. He didn't have a clue about it. He said, well, if you'd only come to me, she wasn't any fun anyway. I'd have dropped her on the spot. I mean... A lot of times, it's that simple. Let, let, let's clear the air. Let's, let's, let's talk about what we think has been wrong. And, and let's choose that you mean more to me than the problem, and I mean more to you than the problem, and, and let's be reconciled. Let's be reconciled. Now, the king sent for Joab in verse 21 here, and he says, all right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. Joab bowed with his face to the ground in deep respect and said, at last I know that I have gained your approval. My lord, the king, for you have granted me this request. You know, Joab, he's stoked. He's excited, boy. Man, we're going to get to see a reunion. We're going to get to see Absalom and David embrace. Then Joab went to Geshur 
and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. Look at verse 24. But the king gave this order. Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. Well, why is that in there? Because it happened. That's why it's in there. What's the lesson for us? Verse 14 tells us what reconciliation looks like when God is at work. It is total. It is complete. Verse 14 tells us what forgiveness is like with God. It shows us what mercy is like. It shows us what grace is like. Verse 24 shows us what forgiveness, mercy, and grace is like with man's very best without God. You see, I, I believe David looked at himself in the mirror and thought, you know, I'm really a good man. Let that sorry scoundrel come on back to Jerusalem, but I don't want to see his nasty face. I don't want him in my presence. He can come back and he can live in Jerusalem, but I better not see him. That's man's grace. That's man's conditional love. God's love is unconditional. Man's love is conditional. You see, the, the difference between God's act of reconciliation and man's act of reconciliation is there's always strings attached with man. You can come on back as long as I don't see you. Can you imagine that? Yes, you can. Because we see it and we may even experience it every single day of our lives. I'll talk to my brother Ed at Christmas, but if he brings up politics, I'm out. I'm going to go to Grandpa and Grandma's 50th wedding anniversary, but if my dad mentions me dropping out of school, I'm out of there. What does that tell us? It tells us there's strings attached with people. And with David, there were strings attached. He can come back to Jerusalem, but I ain't going to look at him. He cannot come in my presence. you got to keep him away from me. And, and so in verse 25, now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. So now I have gone two or three times to, to those places where they cut your toenails. And when I go to Cambodia, I always go get it done there because it's $2, $1. For me, $3. And, and every time I go, when that lady looks at my feet, she just goes, oh. Can you imagine having being so pretty that your feet are pretty? I mean, Absalom, he was flawless from head to foot. Can you imagine his hair? Well, let's talk about it. He cut his hair only once a year 
and then only because it was so heavy. When I, I, when I read that, I went, God, that can't possibly be true that someone can have hair that gets too ha- heavy to wear around. And I told someone that and I said, that's because you don't got any hair. You don't understand. When he weighed it out, it was five pounds. Lord, I want pretty feet and I want five pound hair. That's what I want. I, I, if I had pretty feet and five pound hair, I, right now I'd have it slicked back and I'd have it in a ponytail and I'd find ways to wiggle it around and I would just rub it in people's faces if I had five pound hair. He was a beautiful, beautiful man. He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar. Oh, my. Now, we talked about the injustice of Tamar, his sister, but, but he named his daughter after his sister. There's some good things going on beyond just how pretty he was. And it says, and she was very beautiful. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him. But, but listen to this. But Joab refused to come. Now that makes sense to me because he can't violate David's wishes. He's in a tough spot. He got Absalom back to Jerusalem, but David did not follow through and completely reconcile. And so Joab is working that fine line between the Republican and the Democrat. He's having a hard, hard time here. Absalom sent for him a second time, but again Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, go and set fire to Joab's barley field, the field next to mine. So they set his field on fire as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house. And demanded, why did your servant set my field on fire? And the answer is, because you wouldn't talk to me. I couldn't get you to come see me. I needed you to help me with my dad. And so I just had them burn your barley field because I knew that would get your attention. And that's what he says in verse 32, because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Geshur. If he didn't intend to see me, I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom said. Then at last, David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. Now, if the story ended there, we have a beautiful picture of reconciliation. But the story doesn't end there, and we will pick that up next week. But here's the final lesson that's really important for us to understand. If we take reconciling a little slow, it's costly and gets complicated. Now, it costs Joab a barley field. I don't know what the going rate, how much it was for a bushel of barley, but it cost him a growing season. 
It costs their family relationships. It costs sleepless nights. It costs complications. It was complicated for Joab, the military commander, because he just can't go and do and do what's right. And because of the situation between David and Absalom. And everybody in between David and Absalom are caught up in this mess. Isn't that true of our lives today? There is a complication in your family. There is a conflict. It's a complicated matter. You dread Thanksgivings because of the complications. You dread Christmases because of the complication. You just, some of y'all just had graduation and it, you were, it was a little complicated for to go see the kid graduate from high school. It's a complicated thing to go watch the kid graduate from college because it's a forced reunion of people that need to be reconciled. And it's a complicated matter. And if David would have taken care of things earlier, if he would not have delayed, if he would have said, yeah, Absalom, you can come on back to Jerusalem, but I don't want to ever see you. It complicated the situation. And it always does. So if, if we choose out of fear, out of the, 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 the difficulty of the reconciliation conversation, if we choose not to do all we can to be right with someone, it is going to be costly and it is going to be complicated. And so you need to go today. You need to pick up that phone today. You need to not delay. And you need to do your part. Now, Romans 12 says, be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. If, if that other relationship, if that other party, if it's toxic, if you're not going to get anywhere, they're just going to refuse, you know that. You go through the process and have a genuine desire to be reconciled, and they choose not to, you have simplified your life. It's no longer complicated. It's on them. And if you can leave that bridge open and say, okay, we can't come to terms today, and, and we can't come to a place where you mean more to me than whatever has happened, and if you can't come there, I want you to know, that if you come to the place that you ever want to talk with me about this again, I am here. You know where I am. I will answer your phone call. That absolutely uncomplicates your life. It simplifies your life because it lines up your life where God wants it to be. David's life was complicated. David's life is costly because he refused to reconcile. How about you? How about me? How about us here today? What do we need to do to reconcile? Help us, Lord, to to follow through with what Your Spirit is speaking to us about today. And may Your will be done. Be with the kids traveling on the highway today. Give them a good, safe trip. 
and a wonderful camp. Be with those going to Brazil. May your will be done. Lord, we go so, so much this summer on mission. We pray, Father, that you will guide and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.